BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, we have some fun YNR news to report. Judith Chapman is headed back to Genoa City as Gloria for the first time since October 2018. Now, Judith is for sure a fan favorite and definitely brings, you know, a wacky levity to the canvas that doesn't currently exist. And over the summer, I did a Zoom interview with Judith and her on-screen sons, Christian LeBlanc and Greg Rickard. And she told me she would be open to a return and the guys were really hoping for it too. So I'm happy it's finally happening and I'm confident that they are as well. So I would think it has something to do with the impending arrival of Kevin and Chloe's first child, which means we will also be seeing Elizabeth Hendrickson back on the canvas as Chloe again. So Liz gave birth to her first child in March, a daughter named Josephine, who she calls Jojo, adorably, and wound up with a much longer maternity leave than expected. I mean, not that she's complaining. She tells us it was great to have so much time at home to be a mom, but she was also really happy to get back to work and see people again. And you know, what struck me the most was that she told us she was excited to put on the pregnancy pad again because she loved being pregnant so much in real life that it like brought back the experience for her. I thought that was so cute too, that Lizzie was like, I'm so excited to be pregnant again. Well, while blessings are in store uh, for the Baldwin Fishers on YNR, I am basically still wiping away all the tears that I shed last week on General Hospital when Mike Corbin passed away from Alzheimer's. Oh yeah. That does, of course, uh, mean that daytime Emmy winner Max Gale has wrapped up his stint with the show as Mike. And when Mike died, he ascended heavenward with his late daughter, Courtney, a role that was reprised by Alicia Lee Willis. And now I got to catch up with her this week and she said she had such a blast getting to reconnect with her GH family, like Maurice Bernard and Steve Burton. And that although she had never worked with Max before, because when she was on the show, Mike was still being played by uh, Ron Hale, but it was super easy to connect with him. And he lived up to all the great things she had heard about him from everyone there. And uh, that was not the only surprise appearance GH doled out last week. Uh, number one, we saw Nathan Parsons back for a fun little arc as Ethan. We had previously reported that he was returning, but I thought, you know, how they wrote him in uh, to the Monte Carlo adventure was really fun. Oh, me too. Yeah. Um, we also saw David S. Lee back as Winston Rudge, Olivia Jerome's former accomplice. And then last but certainly not least, we saw Emma Sams as a very much alive Holly Sutton being held hostage by an unknown someone. And I got to say, I am here for it. 
Uh, what a great reintroduction and obviously one that took some clever machinations behind the scenes because Emma lives in England and is unable to travel to the States. And I think it's so cool that the show figured out how to get Emma back on our screens despite, uh, you know, the travel restrictions that are in place and everything. And I'm really excited to see this story unfold. Oh, me too. I am a huge Holly fan. Um, and, you know, GH deserves a lot of kudos for all the soapy surprises they've pulled off lately, you know, from the Courtney appearance to Holly's as well. Um, I couldn't agree with you more about those mic scenes. They were so well done. But I have to say, like, super hard to watch for anyone that has lost a parent or a loved one. Um, I will admit I had to walk away from the TV at one point because it just, like, got a little too real. Um, and... But Max Gale was just phenomenal throughout, as was Maurice Bernard. I mean, you know, he always kills me with, like, the tender scenes. You know, he's just so good at them. And it's a side of Sunny that I love when they explore. Um, and, you know, we've gotten so many emails from readers who went through similar circumstances with their own parents or grandparents and were especially moved by what they watched. I mean, you know, even reading the letters was just so sad because of the very personal stories that our readers were sharing. Max and Maurice are for sure Emmy contenders for next year. And, um, you know, they deserve all the accolades they get as, as the team behind the scenes. So in our new issue, we have a feature with Soap's Hottest Newcomers. And, you know, what's funny to me is that there have been a few years where we weren't even able to run this section because we didn't have enough people to fill it. But there have been so many great hires over the past year or so, you know, with characters who have really been woven into stories so well. Absolutely. And our Bold and the Beautiful editor, Tom Stacy, even pointed out uh, that uh, one of B&B's hottest newcomers, Tanner Noblin, uh, his real-life wife, Kayla Ewell, who used to play Caitlin, was also once one of Digest's hottest newcomers. Uh, that may be a first <laughs> for awesome. the magazine. Uh, some of the newcomers <laughs> in this section are like really new, like Isabel Durant, who's uh, Claire on Days, and others have had a little more time for their stories to blossom, like Sydney Michaela, who has really been such a great addition to the teen scene on GH as Trina. Uh, but all of them are rising stars in the medium, and it's fun to salute them in this section always, uh, you know, when, when we're able to, of course. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, someone recently reminded me of a shoot I was at in LA in the 90s for a cover with our newcomers at the time. And it was Kirsten Storms, who was then on Days, and Jesse Metcalf, then on Passions, who's like now killing it on Dancing with the Stars. And I'm sure if we went back through our lists, we would find so many young actors who went on to find, you know, even more success post-daytime, you know, like Jensen Ackles, Days is Eric, who's now wrapping up his 15th and final season of the uber popular Supernatural on the CW. And, you know, I know he is not the only one. Totally. Well, our guest today made a huge splash on daytime when she was new to the genre, playing Annie on Guiding Light and walking away with a lead actress daytime Emmy. It's Cynthia Watros who made her GH debut last year as Nina and has been in major story ever since. Let's get her on the phone to talk all about it. Hi, Cynthia. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Thank you so much for joining us. We are going to start just at the beginning and find out how you got into this very exciting world and how you wound up in Port Charles. So let's start at the beginning. You grew up in Lake Orion, Michigan. How would you describe your upbringing? Well, uh, so, and thank you for saying it correctly. Usually when you're not there, people say Lake Orion. So I'm very impressed that you said Lake Orion the way you did. So um, it was great. It was a small town. It is a small town. Um, I love um, being brought up in the Midwest because um, there, it's just, um, 
it's just a really great place to be um, a child. You get to, I played a lot and it was, um, we ran around a lot and it's just, a, a, I, I had a really great childhood. Didn't have a lot of money, but really um, fun childhood. Um, so yeah, uh, I love Michigan. I go back as much as I can. Mm -hmm. Now, at some point in this carefree childhood of yours, you became a mega fan of Guiding Light. <laughs> what are your earliest memories of watching that soap? The, the strangest thing, well, not strange, but you know, life is really interesting. So I would watch um, just Guiding Light. That's all I watched. Um, that was the only soap that I watched. And uh, a little bit worlds uh, as the world turns, but really Guiding Light. When Josh and Reva had a good day, like I had a good day. Someone would get in between them. I was like, you know, um, upset and stuff. And then when I decided, um, and it sounds like it was an easy traveling towards um, being in Michigan and then being in New York, with a bunch of stuff that happened in the middle, all of a sudden I find myself being that person in between Josh and Reva on the set of Guiding Light, the soap that I absolutely loved. And I, every day was just like, I would just look and go, I'm a super, like I'm a super fan, but I'm also on the show. It was really bizarre and great. Um, so as the story goes, when you're attending community college, you audition for a play as a way to make friends, never having acted before, but with the encouragement of the faculty there, you decided to pursue your new passion. So in short order, you went from having no acting experience to getting accepted into the prestigious theater training program at Boston University. So what was that like for you, like just moving there and being in the big city, if you will, for the first time? It was, um, uh, yeah, I, I have no words for what a shock it was. Like, so you go to college and I, again, I come from a small town. I go to Boston and, um, and that was already a shock, but then go to New York. Um, I wish they had a semester at Boston University of how just not to get killed in New York. Not to say it was super, but, but I was just, um, I was just like a fish out of water for probably the first five years that I lived in New York. It, it, it's great. I love New York now, but it, it took some, some getting used to. Yeah. But it was a great, it's great experience being able to take the bus to, to the soap and, uh, and people would be like, I thought you guys wore on um, like drove in limos and stuff. And I'm like, no, I take public transportation. Well, one of the like amazing small world things or coincidences that seems to uh, pop up in your career. Another one is that when you were in college at BU, so too was Maura West, who is now your GH co-star. Now, I know you crossed paths with her, but did you guys like know each other? Did you talk? We did talk. We, we knew each other. We talked. Um, I don't know if we hung out a lot together. So you, you were busy all the time or behind the scenes or having to out. I was just like immersed in it all. Um, but yeah, and I always thought Maura was an amazing actor. Even the first day when we all sucked, she was just like amazing. Um, and so, uh, yeah, she always stood out as uh, like just an incredible actor day one. Of course. Um, so after BU, you did move to New York. And besides, you know, navigating how not to get killed, um, what else stands out to you about those early years, you know, trying to make it as an actor there? 
Yeah, it's tough. You know, I, um, I got, I was really fortunate. BU awarded me, uh, you had to, it was a scholarship, the con scholarship. And I was awarded the scholarship. And so it was $15,000 and a, and a girl who doesn't have any money. There's two things that happen. I didn't know what to do with the 15,000 and thank God for the 15,000 because it got me to New York. And so what I, what I did sweet, sweet 23, 24 year old Cynthia is I bought a really nice couch with the money. And, and so I had this really great couch and in the studio apartment, it was like poor, like I was so poor. And I was a hostess at this Italian restaurant, like so poor, like when it would rain in New York. I uh, didn't have enough money for an umbrella. So I was just like, no, I like walking in the rain. <laughs> and I would show up at the restaurant. And they were like, you're soaking wet. I'm like, no, this is just me being free. When really I don't have any money. So after a year of that, Betty Ray, who used to um, um, cast for uh, Guiding Light, she would keep bringing me in. And I had a short, I don't know if you guys know this, but I had a, like a short uh, I was a day player in Guiding Light before I was Annie. And I was like this Southern girl uh, who like made out with Kurt McKinney. Yeah. And um, and then they kept bringing me back. And then I they said, okay, Betty, was, Betty Ray was like, all right, we got this part, Annie. I want you to have a, just come. And me in my mind was thinking, it's just going to be me auditioning. So I, I go in there and I, open, the doors open and there's like 20 blondes just sitting in the waiting room, waiting to audition for this part. I was like, oh. Um, and so I was one of the last ones to go in and I do my thing. And Robert Newman's in, he's reading with us, which is such a treat, right? And I get the part. And so after a couple of months, I actually got up the courage to ask Robert, like, what, why did I get the part? Not these like 19 other blondes that are incredibly talented. There was a, uh, a part where you had to look at your watch and go, oh my God, I'm late. And you did the better than anyone else. So, um, okay, now even before you had like really uh, gotten uh, your foothold at Guiding Light, you worked with Kim Zimmer off Broadway. Um, what, like, put, put us in the shoes of a Cynthia Watros, mega Josh and Reva fan, now working with Kim Zimmer. I'm in awe every time I'm around her. So being able to do that on stage was incredible. Um, she's just bigger than life. I mean, whenever I act with Kim and she's just, uh, just a lovely person. And I always thought I have to be prepared, be prepared because um, when, when you're in front of someone like that, you have to know your stuff like inside and out, or you're just going to like drown. Right. So on stage, it even adds to that because it's live, you know, and you're already nervous. So I just remember staying up late and just like, and I'd be like, what were my lines? It ended up working out and I'm really um, happy that I got to do that with her. It's just a small world, isn't it? That we kind of cross paths like that. Yeah. Now, Kim eventually came back to the show. And so now you're like working in a triangle with the two people who got you hooked in the first place. So how can you describe just the experience um, of just being even in their orbit together and now you're the spoiler in this? Those, like, those courtroom scenes where Annie was on trial 
for pushing Reva down a flight of stairs. And I would look over and I would see like, like Josh and Reva huddled together. And I was like, no, they suck. And I sometimes I just had to stop and go, I can't believe my life. I can't believe this is what I'm doing, what I get to do. Very fortunate. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, who were your buddies in the Guiding Light cast? It's funny, like Laura and I used to um, like hang out a little bit and here I am again with her. Um, how, how funny is that? And Amy, uh, we would hang out. Um, Robert and I, Michael Leary, um, Ron Rains. I love, like we had dressing rooms uh, next to each other. So I would just hang out and, and talk with him. Yeah, I mean, and then you end up really becoming friends with the crew, like the hair and makeup and, um, and the people like that just work on, on set all day long. You really get to know them really well. Mm -hmm. um, now in 1998, you did leave the show, but you also won the Lead Actress Emmy. So, um, you know, what led to your decision to go and what stands out to you about the night of your victory? So I knew that I wanted to, so I'm living in New York and I knew I wanted to, to move to Los Angeles eventually. And I'm, you know, I'm in my 20s and I, I want to experience all, what all of acting has to, um, give me if anything you know um so when i talk, told paul rush at the time that i was leaving um he understood he wasn't happy about it but he understood you know um and uh so when i was nominated um felt very lucky i came back um i was going back and forth to new york and los angeles so i came back um from los angeles to go to new york for the emmys and really i and people will say this, I did not, I'm telling you, did not expect to win. I mean, I was just like, listen, we're just gonna go have a nice dinner. You know, I'm, I'm gonna like, it's just gonna be fine. Uh, and so when I was sitting there and they announced my name, I really was like, it's not a put out. I was so shocked. And the only thing I wish, I wish I didn't cry so much. Like I cried through the whole thing. Um, I think like no one, I think like two people and I should have thanked like 200 people. Um, even though people would be like, sit down, but you know, you don't, that's how shocked I was. I was completely unprepared. I did. I really did not think I was going to win. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you did move to LA and you started working all over the place in primetime Titus, the Drew Carey show lost and, uh, Stephanie and I are both huge Lost fan, so we've, we've got a couple questions for you. But first is just like the experience in general of shooting the show on location in Hawaii, which is obviously quite different from being in a tiny little studio on the, uh, you know, in Midtown Manhattan. Yeah, I mean, I auditioned for that. There was someone else in me and um, it was on for a year and it was already pretty hot. Um, and my agent said, I have this audition for you for Lost. And I don't think I've ever told this story. And I was like, I don't watch the show. And and um, so she gave me the sides and they were very close lipped about the script. So it was just like the two pages, your sides, that's it. They're not gonna tell you anything else. So I had to call a friend that did watch the show and I said, okay, this Libby character, she's on, she's, she's in like a jungle and then she's in an office building. I don't quite understand. She's like, they do flashbacks. That's why you're doing that. And I was like, oh, okay. And I go in and uh, I do the audition and I don't think I did great. I think I did okay. 
and uh, I tested and uh, I got the part, which was like, it's one of those times that you're like, really me? I, okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't guess. It, that's my thing. Uh, and they said, okay, you got the part, move to Hawaii in a week. And I never even visited Hawaii. So I was like, uh, okay. Um, so that was, that was really cool. And then I got to bring, at that time, my girls were really small and I got to bring them to Hawaii and um, live on Oahu for, to work and be outside. And it is quite different though, because when you work inside in a really controlled environment, it's, it, it's actually a lot easier because you know what to expect. There's not like wild boar like running through the scene or anything like that. And that's stuff we had to, to work. Like we would go on set at Lost and they'd be like, okay, we've never actually quite walked this jungle route before because we wanted it to look really pristine. So if anything like wild looking comes barreling towards you, let's have a safe word. You don't have to worry about that when you're, when you're <laughs> inside. Um, but I loved it. I loved, loved, loved. Exterior shots are a lot of fun. And um, yeah, and they look beautiful. Now, what was it like for you to join that show? I mean, first of all, as you mentioned, it was a hot show in season one. And then season two, I feel like took like a whole other, you know, just turn in the story. And here you are like entering as a cast member then. Like, were you aware of like the hype and how crazy it was and big it was that you were doing it? I was slightly aware. I don't think I was as aware, Stephanie, as I should have been because I was just kind of like da, 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 you know hi and um and when I would tell people I'm on this show lost and they were like what um I was like it's it's Ted do you watch it and they're like yes I mean oh my god um so so then I I kind of got a clue that it was pretty hot and and then working on the show and uh you yeah, it, you felt the energy of being on a show that's really popular. And there's there's a lot of blessings to it. And a lot of like, uh, like I was nervous probably every day that I worked. Um, just because I was nervous about like, oh, I want to, you know, do a good job. And I don't want to let anyone down and because it is so popular, you know. Like, did you socialize with the other cast members living in Hawaii? Like when you didn't yeah. know anyone else? Yeah, I really didn't. Well, I was busy with the girls because they stayed with me. Um, but like Michelle Rodriguez and I, we would hang out. And yeah, the cast itself, because you're on an island, um, we we would we would just hang out with each other. Like whenever the show aired, we'd go to people's houses and watch the show together and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's funny to think that that was like kind of pre like sort of the way the internet is now. And even then people were dissecting, like a, if there was a book, it would become like a whole thread of like, why was the book there? You know? And it's, it's incredible. The, just the phenomenon that it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. She looked to the uh, right. What does that yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. Were you aware sort of of that, you know, effect it was having on the audience at the time? I was like, people would come up to me. Like if you're waiting for like a cup of coffee in line, they were like, okay, you said the number four two times. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I mean, but you didn't want to destroy anyone's like, because people loved to think that everything meant something. Oh, this yeah. is only my, my opinion, but not everything meant something. But I didn't also, I also love that people were so into it and they thought that it, every little bit of information 
had a bigger meaning about like the bigger show, but really it was just like the number four, you know, it's just, it didn't really mean anything. Yeah. I'm going to go with it's the, the retired Yankee, New York Yankees numbers, because that was a good, like, that was a good theory. <laughs> so yeah. Funny. Yeah. That's great. I didn't remember that. that that's pretty amazing. Uh, so Libby had like a very sweet, short lived romance with Hurley. What was working with Jorge Garcia like? Sweetest man, sweet, sweet, sweet man. We lived actually pretty close to each other. We both had houses pretty close. So um, yeah, I would see him a lot. Really lovely, funny guy, always had me laughing. Um, I was really lucky to be able to work with him, yeah. Um, okay, so as much as we could probably fangirl, at least I could for like a very long time, we will fast forward a bit. Um, you returned to daytime in 2013 and spent about six months on YNR playing Kelly before you had to leave because you were contractually bound to the series Finding Carter. So uh, what was your experience in Genoa City like? And of course, working with Peter Bergman. I loved it. And, uh, you know, going back to soaps is always like a feel for me, like going back home. Um, I feel very comfortable in in this world. Um, so uh, I enjoyed it and working with Billy and Peter and Peter was lovely. He would help me and ask me like what he could do to to sort of acclimate me more into to the world because it does take a little getting used to because things are go a lot faster um, than like prime time or movies. When I got onto the show, um, I'm always so thankful for Jill Farron Phelps because she she made it possible for me to, to be on that show. And um, so I, uh, I love her and um, I love the show. I was sorry to have to leave it, but I, I signed a contract and had to move to Atlanta for that Finding Carter show. So uh, we'll fast forward again to last year when General Hospital reached out to you about taking over the role of Nina from Michelle Stafford, who was exiting. Did you have any hesitation about saying yes? Um, I did. I did for, and, and then I was like, what kind of character is it? And, um, and then I was like, okay, let's, let's do this. And Michelle met with me. We had lunch together and she's so gracious and lovely and, um, an amazing giving person man it's been tough like taking over a part like I never had to take over a part before um, be a replacement part I want to I want to make sure that that's a true statement it is so I've never had to take over a, a person's part before and so what would have helped me is if Michelle just was horrible at her job and then it would have made me seem like, oh my gosh, this ray of sunshine just blessed us with, with her acting. But Michelle is awesome and amazing. And it was just like, what's, why did Michelle have to leave? And then I'm like, no, but, and then, so it's, it was a hard climb up to, um, to really feel like Nina was mine because Michelle was so good. Um, so after um, like six months, I would say, I started to feel more and more like Nina. And, uh, but it was difficult. I have to be honest, every, like there were a lot of times I was like, I might get fired today. This might be the day. And not for, not that I wasn't trying hard or anything or that the show wasn't supportive. It was just like, it's tough. It's, it was, uh, because people don't like 
as, as human beings, we don't like change. And when you love a character and love an actor, when someone else is thrown in there and you don't want change, it takes, it takes a long time to get used to that person being in that role. Well, you did a fantastic job. You still are. So um, yeah. all, that, all that didn't take as long on our end, perhaps, as it did on your end. Um, but when you did come in, you were in major storyline with James Patrick Stewart, who plays Valentine. So tell us about working with him. I, I am I'm so thankful for, for Patrick and him just welcoming me, welcoming, welcoming me into... Uh, the storyline and being kind and generous and just a huge talent and just a friend, like a like a person I could sit and talk to. He didn't be nice. He could have been like, "No, I don't want this change," and I'm gonna I, I'm gonna resist. But he was just like, "Welcome, Cynthia. What can I do to help you? Let's do this together." And I will always, always, always be thankful to him. He's like one of my dearest friends. I really love James. Yeah. Um, I remember you telling me that you felt like you kind of found the character uh, during the scenes when Nina finally confronted Valentine about his Sasha deception and their second botched wet wedding in just a matter of months, possibly some kind of soap record. But what, what do you feel changed for you either that day or how do you experience the difference before and after feeling like you kind of found your legs in the character? It's a great question. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I did feel like after the big reveal that Nina knew the secret that Valentine was lying to her, that was some for me. So I felt like once that was done, like that pay, that that sort of path to that final sort of reveal was done, then I could really be like, now the rest is my path. Like I now can walk this path and have it be me. And um, it was sort of, and again, it wasn't anything that someone told me, like, yeah, I want you to, you know, it was just something I felt inside. Like once I get this done in this big scene of like, I knew you were lying to me, you know, we're over, was done. Then this sort of new, new Cynthia Nina could sh shine, you know? Well, uh, Nina and Valentine's relationship did go south, but she rebounded quickly with uh, Ingo Rodemacher's Jack. Ingo's a lot of fun. You guys probably talk to Ingo a lot. Um, He's a lot of fun, super sweet. He makes me giggle a lot just because he's Ingo and uh, I have a lot of fun with him and he's really nice to look at too. So that's really great. Um, and so is James. Um, and uh, yeah, he's, he's really easy to work with. And you know, as an actor, you kind of cross your fingers and you go, please, please, please be easy to work with. And I've been super lucky because Patrick and Ingo are really great leading men, really professional, um, fun, nice, normal, great guys. Yeah, we're, we're having to do this whole dance thing in the uh, rehearsal room, but we have to do it with masks on. And we're like doing all this cardio and sucking in the mask in our mouths, basically. 
And Ingo isn't a fan of dancing. Like, it's not his favorite thing to do. So we would be like sweating, the mask would be sticking to her face. And it was just like rehearsal after rehearsal. And so it was good. Like, I love dancing. It was good, but it was challenging. Yeah, it was challenging. Um, on the day when we did do it, we had a lot of fun. And uh, so it all worked out. I wish we had like a hundred more rehearsals, but you know, you, you in the soap world, you, you get what you get and you make it work. So, and I thought we made it work. Mm -hmm. um, now, even prior to joining, Nina's relationship with Ava has been so contentious over the years, but it's blossomed into like an unexpected friendship and you've been sharing a lot of screen time with Maura West. So what is it like to now work with your fellow BU alum? I love it. And it's funny, it's, um, I, when we first started, when I first started on the show, I think I was on set and stuff, I, I, would, I would kid around and say, Ava needs me as a friend, you know? And, uh, and then here we are, we're, we're, not that they listen to me, but I, you know, I, I put it out there. So I'm really, really happy that we get, she's so amazed. She, like, like when I talked about what she was like at Boston University, she's amazing. And I always, I always love my scenes with her. I have a great time with her. Well, Nina's search for her daughter has really been picking up on screen, although the audience knows that her daughter was like right under her nose in the form of the doomed Nell Benson. But it certainly seems like there's like big drama coming down the pike for Nina and Jax and Carly. Uh, should the secret of how Nell died or died in quotes, you know, time will tell, uh, should that come to light? But then she's like also hitting on uh, some answers possibly to the mystery of why the nurse commissioned the all-important heart necklace. So there's so much going on. What can you tease for us about what is coming up for Nina? Well, I love the way you put that. I think it is like this, this sort of like hum of like, oh gosh, I think she's getting closer and closer, but she realizes that um, she eventually will find out the truth. And that's where I am now. Like I'm getting closer and closer in the hum of sort of excitement and anxiety of who this person is. And I think you guys in the audience know that it's probably going, or it is Nell. And when she finds out that Nell is gone, at least for right now, um, and what happened when Nell, um, what happened on the cliff and who, the people who were there, um, I think, uh, there's, there's going to be a lot of resentment and pain and, um, a lot of questions that need to be answered. And I think Nina is going to, you're going to see a whole different side of when the truth comes out. Is there anyone on the cast that you haven't worked with yet that you would love to work with more or work with at all? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a scene with Josh today, so that's really nice. Um, I don't think I work with Chad a whole lot, so I would love to to work with him. It was really nice working with Sophia. Um, unfortunately, I don't get to work with her so much anymore. Um, so hopefully that'll continue. Katie's always lovely. So yeah, I'm really, you know, there, it is funny. There are people that you don't really get to um, play with a whole lot because they're just in separate storylines. But I'm really lucky. I Slowly I'm starting to, to get into other people's storylines. So I'm looking forward to that. 
It, I'm curious if, it, if it's more fun for you and uh, and Mora in scenes that are acrimonious or now that you're uh, the two of you are getting along so swimmingly. Yeah, because it is fun to, to argue on soaps. Um, it's a little bit more fun than when you are getting along. But also, there's something great about showing two women being friendly to each other and having this like really great banter and sort of connection just because you're friends and you're women and you you kind of understand each other. So I'm really enjoying that. So before we let you go, is there anything you would like to say to the GH fans who are so thrilled that the show is back in production and back on the air? GH fans, thank you, thank you, thank you for being patient, for waiting for us. We're back and um, working really, really hard. We love you. We think about you a lot. Every time we work, we think about what we can do to make the show better for you. So thank you again for all your love and support, not only for the show, but for me. Thank you. I love you guys. Well, we thank you so much for joining us today. It was so great to talk to you. And we look forward to seeing what's ahead with Nina, of course. And have a great day. Thank you, guys. Nice to see you. Thank you for spending this time with me. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Cynthia Watros for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. Podcast.